Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. And we made it through January uh, with all of its weirdness. I personally have had like the weirdest random stuff this month. <laughs> See, and I just flat out hate the month of January. I find nothing <laughs> redeeming in the month of January. It's it's not great. You know, it is cold here. It is dark here. It doesn't get above 30 degrees. We have inversions. I'm working from home. It is just giving me PTSD of like when the pandemic first started and I'm like, I have no interaction with real life people. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I filled up my car with gas today. It has almost been four weeks since I put gas in my oh, car. Oh, well, there's a perk. So, well, the, the perk being, yeah, I'm not paying for gas and yeah, I'm not driving my car, but- You're the, going a little batty? I'm going a little batty. Like, seriously, there were there have been days where I just haven't even, other than going outside for a daily walk, because I have uh, done a daily walk every day. But other than that, there have just been several days in a row where I haven't even left the house. Oh, yeah. That would drive me nuts. So, <laughs> yeah. I am. And I am this way every January. I just, it's just not a month I like. I think it's a difficult month for a lot of people. So the fact that the calendar is rolling over tomorrow to February, I am doing the happy dance. I love February. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we, as I looked back at this month, I was like, we had a lot going on in my house. Okay. <laughs> in January. <laughs> I got a new calling. Which I love, by the way. I teach sunbeams now. Oh, and your um, cute little boy is in yes. there with you. <laughs> so I got a new calling. Um, I potty trained a kid. Oh. Um, we had COVID. All of us, or most of us, had COVID. Okay. <laughs> and my husband got a vasectomy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> because it was exactly five weeks ago that we podcasted, right? It, yeah. And four, four or five weeks ago, yeah. That exactly. story came up about the triplets. And yes. I jokingly told you that I was going to look into this vasectomy thing. Kind of, I was kind of joking, but like. But you were kind of serious I was too because you were like. It really freaked me out. I know. You were like, like, if I end up with a kid at my age, it's <laughs> so we ended not going to end we well. We ended up talking about it afterwards. I was like, did you see this story? And we were talking about it. And I have, that was not the first example. I've yeah. heard of several other people yeah. that um, have, you know, had happy had little accidents. Your, um, <laughs> other forms of birth control. So, I was like, I'm 42 years old and. That could just be a really difficult situation. <laughs> so he was like, well. Not to mention mortifying for your 14-year-old daughter. I know. He was like, well, we have really good insurance right now. So he just like started to look into it. He goes and sees a doctor. And the next thing I know, it's like done. Okay. Well, so. I'm like really impressed in a, in a month he could make that decision and get in and get it done. I know. Especially with the healthcare system. In exactly. This, in this current situation. Exactly. That's. I think that blows me away more than the fact that he got the vasectomy was how quick he was able to get it done. I know. So. I would I would have assumed those were like six months out. Yep. So, you know, yeah, just making things happen maybe over here. Called, maybe that's considered a necessary surgery. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, just what you all wanted to know tonight, I'm sure. Exactly. Don't worry. He did say I could announce this to he the did. world. He did give us permission <laughs> to discuss this tonight. So we're not violating any confidence. But, anyway. uh, but yeah, so like I said, I'm I'm very anxious for, for February to yeah. march on into my life. Yes. So, so much like my month in my house, the news stories that we have this week are also oh, a very so random, random smorgasbord of 
randomness. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot of stories, especially considering Jeff just podcasted last week. I know. Um, there's still a lot of stuff happening with members of the exactly. church. Exactly. Well, and it seemed like the news stories were uh-huh. pretty slow in, in late December and uh-huh. January, but they are picking up. So yeah. this is yeah. good. Okay, well, should I kick it off with some BYU news? Kick it off with BYU news. BYU has been in the news almost every week this month for various and assorted things. I know, because they have their investigation on how they deal with LGBTQ issues. Jeff just talked about that last week. You can't demonstrate. There's a whole new policy for demonstrating. Yes. Don't make the Y a rainbow. (laughs) That's not going to make anybody very happy. So So we've got a couple more BYU stories this week. Um, This was BYU Provo. Um, There was a protest held um, 10 days, a couple weeks ago, two Saturdays ago. Okay. Um, There was a protest in opposition to BYU's decision to require proof of vaccination or negative COVID tests for attendance of indoor public events, including conferences, athletics, and performing arts. So this says, so you got to show up with your V card. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or your little test. So this said, I thought this was interesting. Dozens gathered at the intersection of 900 East. So this is not like, don't be alarmed people. This was not like thousands of people. This was not half of the student body. This was dozens. Um, And they said they were, they repeatedly said they're not anti-vaccine, but pro-freedom. Um, also somebody said it was estimated that about 25% of the crowd was BYU students. So the rest just came from around various places to say, we don't like BYU's policy. Yes. Even though we're not students and it really doesn't impact us. Yes. Uh, anyway, they interviewed one protester who commented happily about the ratio of supportive honks versus middle fingers because they had they had signs that said like honk if you support this anyway they they emphasized over and over again that this was not a vaccine protest it was a fight for freedom or whatever which i find very interesting because if you claim that you're there to like be pro-freedom, then you also have to recognize that BYU is a private institution and therefore has freedom to They're not make their own regulated rules. by <laughs> so, the government. Anyway, but the thing that I found that was interesting about this is the protest was planned through a group called People's Rights. Oh, we love the people's we rights. We are familiar with here in Idaho. It's an anti-government group that was founded by the famous Ammon Bundy, who I know you'll probably all think we will not shut up about. Well, you know, he he did receive, did I give him, I gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. It was another person that I gave Hall of Fame to. But Ammon Bundy got my Lifetime Achievement Award because he can't stay out of the news for bad behavior. Yeah. So, so. Um, anyway, now he's, I guess they plan these protests all over. He's. He's reaching out from Idaho. You all get to enjoy his loveliness also. (laughs) Well, you know what? Driving over here tonight, I was listening to um, just a portion of a podcast that was Uh being replayed on our local NPR station. And uh, it was done by by the BSU station here in town, uh, BSU being Boise State Public Radio. 
And um, it's a whole thing on Ammon Bundy and people's rights and how that is gaining movement and momentum. So then Mm. I come here and you're like, hey, did you see the protest story? And I'm like, no, I didn't see the protest stories. Well, there were dozens of them. So when I hear dozens, I'm like, okay, well, that's got to be more than one dozen. So 24, (laughs) but less than 100. Because if you reached 100, you would say, hundred or right. hundreds. Right. So somewhere between 24 and a hundred protesters is how I interpret that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. All right. Now you've got another BYU. I have another BYU story. So BYU and other Latter-day Saint schools. So this affects BYU, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii, Enzyme College, and the BYU Pathways Program. If you are a new employee to any of those esteemed educational institutions, you will have to flash your temple recommend because all new employees must uh, hold and be worthy to hold a current recommend. Now, I'm sure what you're all thinking is, wasn't that already the case? Because they came out with this policy and it kind of left everybody's head scratching going, I thought that was what we had to do. So that was not officially the case. Apparently what would happen is if you were to apply for employment at one of these schools, and I'm assuming they mean full-time type of employment, um, they contact your bishop to make sure there are, your bishop doesn't have any concerns and that you are living the honor code. And this would obviously only apply if you are a member of the church and applying to work at one of these schools. If you are not a member of the church, you have to agree to follow the honor code. Um, but obviously they're not going to expect you to have a temple recommend. Right. Yeah. This was super interesting because we all just assume this it's already happening. Exactly. Exactly. So. so, and some of the things that they say is, um, and if, if they contacted your bishop and you didn't have a current temple recommend, this was mm-hmm. before the policy change, then um, BYU would just verify that your conduct is consistent with qualifying for temple privileges. Right. So, so and, not really a big change, but more of like a formality, have it in writing exactly. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, which they did mention in the article that uh, the accreditation review or yeah. whatever is coming up. Um, so maybe, were, maybe just to be all like have everything in the books. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, they were saying the accreditation review really focuses more on academics and they mm-hmm. don't really, it's not about, you know, your faith. It's not about the specifics, but they did say that um, with the accreditation review, they want to make sure that what you're advertising that your college provides is yes. what you're giving them. So if you are presenting okay. yourself as like a faith-based school with these standards and this, then they want to make sure that is actually how you're operating your school. Cause they talked about the other okay. um, faith-based schools also in the article, which was also interesting. I, I love to hear how other faith-based universities. Exactly. And they run said their stuff. There were a, that approximately a thousand, there's approximately a thousand of the nation's approximately 4,000 institutions of higher learning are faith-related. So literally one-fourth of the colleges in America are faith-related? That number was mind-blowing to me. I was shocked too. But then it also said BYU has the unique distinction of being like one of the biggest. Exactly. Um, A lot of them are very small schools. But yeah, I I did. I think it was really- of our schools. That's 
insane. I know. I did think it was really interesting. Again, like you said, how um, they talked about, you know, that, um, oh, where is it here? That, you know, Baptists have certain requirements. Nazarenes have certain requirements. Right. So this is a, you know, this isn't certainly anything that is unique to BYU. And of course, um, I mean, regardless of whether or not, I mean, whether it's the old policy or the new policy, I don't think anybody would dispute that BYU is exactly what it advertises. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But, and here's the other interesting thing. This just applies to new hires. So Mm -hmm. if you are currently employed at one of these institutions and for whatever reason, you do not have a temple recommend, you can continue your employment. And it said that they were giving current employees the opportunity to opt in, Uh but that they would not be penalized if they didn't opt in. Yes. And um, Clark Gilbert, uh, he says, I believe he's in charge of uh, the church education system. He says, these updates reflect the expectation we have for each employee to continue, continue to engage fully in the spiritual mission that is central to each CES institution. We are grateful to have such remarkable and committed employees. You know, there was one other thing in this article that kind of struck me that I, that I did really kind of like. So um, they are interviewing this gentleman by the name of, let me find him here. His last name is Wood. And he went to, um, he, he got his doctorate degree at, uh, at Indiana. And uh, he said, on the spiritual side, it's much easier to be my authentic self here at BYU because I can talk about my faith and share my spiritual feelings and what I believe and where I was not allowed to do that in Indiana, he mm-hmm. said. So I actually think I have more freedom here at BYU than I did at Indiana. He's talking about academic freedom. Right. And because people were like, well, does this stifle academic freedom? And he's saying, no, you know, I don't feel like it does. And mm-hmm. and I think that's really true for BYU. You know, you can make a lot of religious, um, you can bring <coughs> scripture and religion into your classroom discussions mm-hmm. and nobody is going to look at you like you have horns growing out of your head. Right. You go to you some other, you don't have to walk that fine line. You don't have to walk that fine line. Mm-hmm. And you do go to some other universities and you might be belittled for expressing mm-hmm. those beliefs. Yeah. So, you know, on, on that side, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, and then um, President Worthen of BYU released a whole question and answer thing as well Mm -hmm. that we'll link to that's part of the article um, that just kind of gives the info as to why they're doing it and how policy is going to be applied. I know. So. All right. Okay. Next article. This was from the Deseret News. Is John McNaughton trolling the left or the right? inside the studio of America's most controversial artist. Now, if you will remember this guy, I have really had not thought about this guy for a couple of years because I feel like I just hadn't seen him in the news, mm-hmm. but I remember him being in the news during a lot during, a lot. during Trump's time in office. He is an artist um, who likes to do a lot of political art, but not like cartoon, political yeah. cartoon. This is like fine art paintings. He'll take like a classic painting and, and he'll redo, redo it. it with- In a um, very satirical way. Yes. And so 
you love him or you hate him, I guess. He's very polarizing. And he's done a lot of artwork where Trump is featured predominantly as kind of a... A hero, a savior figure, savior figure. Um, he's even done some that have the savior in the yes. picture, beside yes. some political yes. figures that he. So the Trumpies eat him up, so, yes, and the left, the the lefties harass him yes. mercilessly. So they did an interview with him. Um, Samuel Benson at the Deseret Book did an interview with him. You mean the Deseret News. Deseret News, not the Deseret book. (laughs) And uh, went to his studio. Um, He talked about some of the pieces. Just to give you an example, um, he had taken the famous painting Washington Crossing the Delaware, and he had redone it with Donald Trump instead of Washington, and the crew in the boat is paddling across a swamp with the U.S. Capitol Rotunda in the background. So that's the kind of um, art this guy does. And I remember he was just all over the news. Several years ago. Yes. But I guess he's still going strong. So um, he interviewed him and um, he said that people take his art too seriously. He said, that's what drives the left crazy because they look at me like that guy's serious. And he says, I'm laughing the whole time I paint this thing. So the whole article is kind of like, is this supposed to be a joke or is he serious? Yeah. And he kind of, I think he enjoys I think he enjoys nobody knowing. I think in this article, he is playing both sides of the fence. I think he is too. You know, my thought was, is he crazy or is he crazy like you know a what? Fox? You know what he is? He is the shock jock of the art world. Oh. That's what I have decided. <laughs> he is a regular old Howard Stern of the art world. Uh, right? I cannot disagree with that. I mean, all he wants is like, like he loves the attention. Um, he really does. And what I found was fascinating is he started out as a landscape artist. He did these <laughs> landscape paintings. And you know, folks, the landscape paintings just weren't really making that right. much money. And now he's but making he a ton has of money. raked in a buttload of money on this political and art. he talks about how he actually gauges the success of a painting by how much backlash he gets. Yeah. Like, this is a good thing for him. Now, he claims he's not in it for the money, but I have to tell you, me smells. Oh, I mean, this doesn't no pass way. the smell test for me. There's because no if way. you weren't in this for the money, then you'd be going back to doing your landscape. Right. And you're not in it for the art. <laughs> because this is not your average art. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and then there's art critics who have criticized his work and have said all sorts of stuff about it. And he's just like, well, clearly you like my work because if you didn't think I was had any talent, you wouldn't take the time to criticize right, me. Right, right. And he claims in this article that he was like not on the Trump camp in the beginning. Yeah. In um, fact, he said he did his first kind of political artwork piece in 2008. And that is when McCain and Obama were running. And he said, I didn't like either one of those candidates. And Uh this one he did in 2008, which actually was not nearly as controversial as any of his Trump stuff. Um, Just, uh, in fact, I think it was called, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Was it the one with Obama on the Constitution? No, One Nation Under God. And so that's the one he did in 2008 that um, he has Jesus centered between the U.S. Capitol and the Supreme Court with the Constitution in his hand. And then he has a whole bunch of historical figures on both sides. Right. Anyway, very interesting. Oh, and in case we didn't mention 
this guy is LDS. I mean, oh, yes. That's we why we're probably, talking about we this. We probably should have, should have mentioned that at the very beginning. Obviously, the Deseret News is interviewing yeah, him. Yeah, he's a BYU grad. He lives in Utah. Yes. He's LDS. Um, so anyway, it's just very interesting. And he's still going strong. I really didn't know. Yeah. I hadn't seen anything recently from him until this article. So I was like, oh, no. He's still going strong. It says that very recently – he did a series of Trump theme originals that he published as NFTs or non fungible tokens. Which, again, I can't, I just cannot with the NFTs. I, I, I can't really wrap my head around the NFTs. I have a difficult time understanding why people are paying money for these things. <laughs> but, well, then he also said he did one of Kyle Rittenhouse, but he hasn't right. released it because he said it was just too dark. Yeah. And I just didn't want to go there. And I thought, well, Okay, at, at least you have a judgment line in the sand. Right. So I'm sure over the next um, couple of years as election season yes. heats up again, I'm sure that he will be pumping out the paintings and yeah. enjoying every minute of his well, shock jock paintery. Like I said, my take on it was he is crazy like a fox and he's raking in the dollars <laughs> and he's laughing at the left and he's laughing at the right. I think probably yes. Okay. <laughs> so. And to that, I have to say, well, good for you. <laughs> if you can, you know, if you've got both sides talking about you and you're making some money at the same time, what the heck? <laughs> All right. Our next story is, I mean, it's kind of a feel good story. It has a little bit of a sad ending, but I just really liked it because I liked mm -hmm. the message in it. So there was this woman, her member of the church, of course. Her name was Patty Evershed Peterson, and she was diagnosed with cancer. She lived in Las Vegas, and she had to drive to Salt Lake City to the Huntsman Cancer Institute for her treatments. And of course, you know, this she was quite distraught about her cancer diagnosis, as anybody would be. And um, she remembered this talk about... Um, I heard this talk in your own trials and your own troubles. The best way to get around it is to serve. And she thought, I can't have this journey and have it just be about me. I need to be serving others to get my mind off my troubles. So she, she commences to try and figure out, you know, what can I do to serve, especially on this long drive? And so she went to justserve.org and she found this service project. She found that um, the Festival of the Trees in Salt Lake City needed uh, pillowcases sewn. And so, I mean, the only thing I can think of is she must not have been driving and maybe she's like hand sewing pillowcases. Right. That's what I thought too. I said, who's driving the car? She must have had someone driving. She must have had somebody driving and she's hand sewing the pillowcases. So she makes all of these pillowcases. She gets sisters in her ward involved in making all these pillowcases. She ends up on the board of the Festival of the Trees and um, just... Um, just really, she says, it changed the way I felt about my cancer. It was fun. Believe it or not, my cancer journey has been joyful and fun. And she did a video uh, that came out in October 2021 on the Just Serve app. And she says, I have about two or three months of my life to left to live and I still gather things. I still talk to people and it's joyful me for me to continue to do the work when I feel pretty bad. And so she said, in addition to these pillowcases, she texted people, she wrote notes, she tied quilts and she tried to reach out every day. And she said, if she hadn't had cancer, she never would have had the opportunity to perform that service. She ended up passing away in January 
uh, which of course is unfortunate, but not unexpected. And, um, she said that, um, her family requested in lieu of flowers that people make a donation to primary children's hospital. And that, um, her legacy is that when you have something that you can take your mind off of your own situation, it changes everything. It changes how you feel. It changes how you feel about seeing the savior and, uh, saying, I hope I did a good job because I certainly tried. And I really liked that. And I liked that because President Nelson is always talking to us about effort and that the Lord, that's what the Lord expects from us is the Lord expects effort from us. And I think, man, what a remarkable story that, you know, she kind of had this final push at the end of her life. It's amazing because you think you only have a few months yeah. left. So it would be really easy to be like, oh, I can't really do much. Yeah, I exactly. only have a few months. What can I really do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's so really cool. I, to me, it was just a feel good story. And just what a reminder, the blessing mm-hmm. that comes from service. Yeah. More to the person who is serving than probably the person who is receiving. Okay. Next article is from Jana Reese. We love a good Jana Reese yes, article. Yes, we do. And the title is Softening Mormon Patriarchy, One Correction at a Time. Oh, this was fascinating. This one was really interesting to me. Um, She said in the article that last week on social media, someone posted a screenshot of an article from the church magazine um, from the Enzyme online from 1973. And let me read you what the screenshot said. It was a, like a... um, not like a warning label, but yeah, like a warning. It was, so <laughs> it was like I, a, I assume like at the top of the article, yes. it says, at the top disclaimer. of the, yes, disclaimer. <laughs> That's, disclaimer. That is the word I'm looking for. Not a warning label, but a disclaimer. So this was at the top of this article from 1973. Um, and the article was titled Strengthening the Patriarchal Order in the Home. So at the top of the article on the church website, it said articles in the magazine's archive may reflect practices and languages of an earlier time. More current messages from the magazines on the relationship between husbands and wives include, and then it lists three different more recent articles that are about a husband-wife relationship. Because if you read this 1973 article, you will be mortified. So this 1973 article called Strengthening the Patriarchal Order in the Home was by Brent Barlow, the famous Brent Barlow of BYU. I don't know how many people have had his class at BYU. He was a religion professor at BYU while I was there. And he was most famous for, well, actually, I think he was a marriage and family uh, home Therapy department, or not therapy, yeah. but marriage and family, home. marriage and family department at BYU. And the class he was most famous for was marriage prep. I got it. Which I did take at BYU. Okay. Because everybody said it was hilarious and like an easy A. <laughs> Well, I did not take that at BYU. I was a little bit more academic than you. I know you were. That, and I would have been mortified to take a marriage prep class because every person I know in high school is like, oh, you're going to BYU to get married. And I was like, no, I'm going to BYU to get an education. And I was like, are you kidding me? I need every easy class I could get because I cannot pass my core classes. Give me the easy ones to fill up the space. I barely made it out of there. Okay. You, you got to talk about some of this stuff that this article says because okay. I it, I just, I can't. Yes. Even. So now granted this was in the early seventies. This says, um, brother Barlow was only like about 30 years old at the time. So this is the very beginning of his career. Yes. This is before his long career at BYU. Let's just put it this way. We'll give our own disclaimer. He refined his beliefs. Yes. 
<laughs> Those were molded and shifted over the years, I do believe. As well they should be. Because none of this was preached to me in his marriage prep class. At least I don't remember. I think I would have remembered. <gasps> I think you would have remembered. <laughs> so the article talks about um, should two people preside over each other in a marriage, particularly when one holds a priesthood and has been divinely designated to preside. That is a question he presents in the article. And then he answers that question with, no, that would be chaos. Men step up and be the lords and masters. (laughs) No, this is Jenna Reese uh, summarizing. Yes. Basically, his answer was men step up and be the lords and masters God designed you to be. So then he also um, quoted was just... A quote from the article said that strengthen the patri- strengthening the patriarchal order in LDS homes, not only will the husband-wife relationship be enhanced, but the parent-child relationship will improve as well. When a wife challenges the right of her husband to officiate in the home, it is not a logical consequence. Is it not a logical consequence that the children will also challenge his right <laughs> to officiate in a home? So this is very, very like old school husband will preside, wife wife will not question type of language here. And there was some speculation that at the time this came out, the church was trying to put the the quash on Uh the equal rights amendment. Right. Because there was a lot of support among the women for the equal rights amendment. And then the church started going down this path. And then the support of LDS women for the equal rights amendment Wayne, so right. to speak. Yes. So it was interesting. She just said, um, you know, we haven't really seen this before. No. I don't think on church articles, although I think there are many, many opportunities oh. for these disclaimers to be yeah. on some of those various older articles. And when I was first reading this, I was like, well, why Can don't they just take some disclaimers off? on ETB stuff? <laughs> Also known as Ezra Taff Benson. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. The, there's there's a lot of our old stuff we can. Anyway, so you were saying, yeah. why don't they just take it well, off? Well, my original thought as I'm reading this article was, why wouldn't they just take it off? But she actually makes a very good point um, in her write up about this, Janerice, um, that, you know, if, if they take them off, it looks like we're hiding the past, right? True. So her point is that she really appreciates that they're not trying to hide the article or pretend it never happened, um, but that they are, you know, adding the disclaimer and recognizing the the time period yeah. in which it was written. So when she pointed that out, I said, oh, that's true. You know, if, the, if we did take it off, someone would find it in some obscure place and be like, look what they're trying to hide. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind well, of a lose-lose. You can't. I just appreciate the fact because mm-hmm. let's face it. And, and again, I, I, I'm going to quote Oprah. You know, Oprah always says, when you know better, you do better. Right. And that is how we learn here is line upon line, precept on precept. And so, right. you know, you look at a lot of those older teachings that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And in the world we live in today, it just doesn't fit. Were they right for the time? Perhaps, you know, they were definitely, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I, I wouldn't even say perhaps, I would say, were they right for the time? Yeah, they were right for the time based on, you know, what we knew then and what we understood now. The beautiful thing about human beings is we evolve and we change and we can look back at that and we could go, that's probably we not counsel we right. should follow these days. Right. And it gives us an opportunity to be able to say, look how far we've come. Right. Yeah, so no, totally. I would like and to she, see. And she points that out that like 
as as the years go on, we need to recognize, you know, that as a church, we're not perfect and, no. and we don't always have it right. And, you know, we evolve and we change. We're a living being. And uh, let's, what was her quote? She said at the end, let's, only the dead do not change. So let's keep our church among the living. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, anyway, pre- pretty cool to see some of these things evolve over time and keep everybody keep an eye out for that disclaimer on these older articles because i will be curious to see i mean she for example in there she's she briefly scoured some of these Mm -hmm. articles from the 70s to just see if she could find it on any other and she said she didn't but um she mentioned the special lamanite section comes to mind like there are a lot yeah there are a lot that it could be put on so it'll be interesting to see if it pops up more on some of those older yeah older articles. Exactly. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next story is the Washington DC temple. Um, the open house, Uh, Jeff talked about this. He is very excited Mm -hmm. for the Washington DC temple open house. Um, what's interesting are the tickets are free, but you have to reserve your parking. And so, um, within the, um, first two weeks after the announcement was made regarding the open house, nearly 50% of the available parking for the initial open house had been snatched up. That's so wild. It is so wild. So the original open house dates are set from April 28th to June 4th. And I don't know when the temple dedication was set for, but they pushed the temple dedication back to August 14th because what they are going to do is they are going to extend the open house and their language is quote as needed. Oh, unquote. so they haven't set a specific they date. They haven't yet. set a specific okay. date. I thought it said extend it by two months, but no, they just have available. They two just months. have an available okay. time period up to August 14th or a couple weeks beforehand because right. they go in and they do some cleanup and a bunch of stuff like that after the after the public open house. But I thought that was so interesting because honestly, I have to tell you when they announced the dates, I have seriously been considering, (gasps) do I want to fly back to DC? Because I have always said, oh, I would love to take my 17 year old son back to DC Mm -hmm. because he's a total history buff. He loves American history. Like I love American history. We could go hit the Smithsonian's and spend like all day in the Smithsonian's. So I did get online tonight and just put some random dates in Mm -hmm. to see what the ticket prices were to see, is this like even financially feasible? So Uh I don't know. I may think about it. I Uh I probably need to reach out to Jeff and say, Jeff, where do I, when do I want to come and where do I want to stay? (laughs) Well, it's really cool that it's over the summer because I bet they will get a ton of visitors from across the country. That temple is such a landmark temple. You know, there are a handful of temples that are destinations that people go to. That's one of them. Exactly. Hawaii, the temple in Hawaii is one of them. Um, So I just think how cool that it falls over the summer. They're going to get so many people from out of state. They're visiting. And then of course, everybody that lives there that I'm sure is anxious to see it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really cool that they extended it. I mean, I'm sorry for all the people that are waiting to actually go in. Yeah. (laughs) Like Jeff. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But so cool and such a good opportunity. Um, just a good PR move. Oh yeah. It also kind of gave me, I think a little preview of what it's going to be like when they have Salt Lake done. Yeah. I, oh, because I mean, that one's going to be a long one. They've already said. I know. Right? I can't help but think they're going to have to have like a six-month open house to accommodate yeah. 
all of the people who are going to want to come in and see the Salt Lake Temple because mm-hmm. it's been years since anybody who hasn't right. had a temple recommend has been able to go in and see that. So yeah. maybe this is kind of like a little mini, how are we going to deal with all the big crowds? Yes. Because they're going to have similar issues in Salt Lake that they have in DC. They're not going to have parking mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. They're going to have to shuttle people in. They're going to have to bring people in on the trains oh, and the coordination. I'm just thinking yeah. of, of all the coordination that was asked of us for, yes. for our Meridian oh, yeah. Temple Open House. And we have so many members here. Yeah. They do have a lot, yeah. a good chunk of members there. But I will be interested to hear Jeff's take as oh, this gets yeah. closer. Like what are they specifically asking the members those to do? stakes and those wards to do to participate? Because they're all going to have to chip in a lot, I'm sure, to oh, yes. fill all of those volunteer positions. Exactly. Where, <laughs> where they're like, go this way, go this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's next? Oh, I'm up. Uh, this was an update on Ukraine. Jeff talked um, last week in the podcast about how the Ukraine missionaries have been moved out of the country as Russia is looming over Ukraine, which is a real bummer. Um, and so the, this was just kind of a follow-up with some of those missionaries. Uh, they interviewed one missionary. Uh, was it a Sister Peterson? It was. It was a Sister um, Peterson. So she actually is one of the few that got to stay in the mission. She, but not in Ukraine. Not in Ukraine. <laughs> in Moldova, because it's a big, yes. large mission. So she... Um, is in Moldova right now, um, which is very rare. Most of the missionaries got sent to other countries. She said they're all over Canada, Croatia, Poland, Bulgaria, Brazil. I think they are all just crossing their fingers and hoping that they get the chance to go back yeah. to Ukraine before their missions are over. Um, but they obviously won't until it's safe. And yeah. this is what I had to say on Ukraine. This was like, I had a little call to Jesus moment last night. Oh my. <laughs> because it was a fifth Sunday. And our ward for the fifth Sunday was having all of the adults and kids seven and up meet in the chapel for a meeting discussing the goals, you know, the youth goals program, uh-huh. the four areas, the four yes. goals. And I was being a real stinker about it yesterday uh, before church because I was like, we do this every January. We have some big meeting to talk about the goals and the kickoff of the goals. And we know what the goals are and we know how they work. <laughs> and we've gone over this with our children and my kids are going to be sitting in the seats like wiggly and rolling their eyes yeah. and not wanting to be there. And I was being a real stick in mud about it. I went because, you know, I teach primary now. Yeah. So I, you'd think I'd get out, but no, they brought in people. So the primary teachers. They brought in out. people for primary. So, um, so I went into it with a very bad attitude. And although I hid it from my children. That's very because, good. Because you cannot show that to your no, children. No. And then when I got home last night, I was checking Facebook because I knew we were going to do this podcast today uh-huh. and I needed to catch up on articles. Mm-hmm. And Jeff had rep- done a repost on the TWIM Facebook page from a guy named Jason Stout. I don't know who this is, He, but he lives obviously in the Ukraine. Okay. And he said that their fifth Sunday lesson in Kiev yesterday was all about what to do if Russia invades. Um, they, oh, my. They talked about everything from emergency kits, food storage, decontaminating water. Um, he said that some people around them were sharing experiences from Russia's first invasion into eastern Ukraine. Um, and they were, even though they'd been through all that, he just talked about the great attitude they have, that they were like remarkable. They were upbeat and positive. And um, that is what they did for their fifth Sunday. And I had a real come to Jesus moment. <laughs> You're like, okay, I, like, I need okay. to not complain about the youth goals. I am so sorry. 
I am, your privilege was showing. I am the worst. <laughs> so, um, just you know, our hearts go out to those saints oh, yeah. in Ukraine. I cannot imagine having a fifth Sunday lesson. Yeah, about what to do if, if your what to do if we invaded. get invaded this week, wow. right? Oh my goodness. Anyway, wow. so that's the latest on Ukraine. We just keep them in our prayers. Yes. Okay, the next story is comedian Ryan Hamilton. And many of you know Ryan Hamilton. He is a member of the church. He has, I don't know if it's still up there. I assume it is. He has a special on Netflix called Happy Face. And so he is going around the country touring with his comedic skills. And he was set to be in Salt Lake City this last weekend. However, he and a shuttle bus unfortunately met, and it didn't end well so for Ryan. Sad. It's so sad. He said he got hit by a bus. He did. He said, "I was a pedestrian in a crosswalk." I'm sorry, pedestrians in a crosswalk always have the right of way. Mm-hmm. So uh, all I have to say is shuttle bus company. So I'm that's assuming cost this you. was in New York, where he lives, right? New you York know, City. Well, he did. Say? He didn't say where mm-hmm. it was. Um, he, he was unable to fly. And so he did say that his mom was able to drive him back to Idaho to recover because he can't fly until he's cleared by doctors. That would be a, if, if this happened in New York, that would be a a long drive, really long drive. And Mm -hmm. so it might not have been this weekend, but his, his, um, shows that were scheduled for Salt Lake city this weekend were canceled as a result of it. And he suffered some really severe injuries. He had a compound fracture in his arm, seven broken ribs, and a punctured collapsed lung. Wow. So anyway, so speaking of prayers, send the Ukrainians some prayers and send Ryan some prayers. And he is so good. We got to see him when he came here for a live show. Oh, I didn't know he came here. It was a few years ago. Was this before you told me to go watch the Netflix special? No, because we had seen the Netflix special before he came here. And he is so funny and so good. And I I can imagine he will turn this into some really great material. Yes. Well, and he actually is from Eastern Idaho. So not Mm. only is he a member of the church, we at least have an an Idahoan from Eastern Idaho that is not behaving badly. (laughs) That's true. Lately, they are not representing well. No, they're not. Okay. Um, oh, and I've got one oh, other got one more. injury story. This one's really sad. This one is out of Arizona. There was um, this gentleman by the name of Richard Jacobson. He just recently returned from a mission. He's hiking in Arizona. He's going to take a selfie and he slips and falls 700 feet. And so he passed away. So prayers for his family as well. Oh, sad. Sad. Yep. All right. Um, next story is there is a BYU grad who is running for governor of Massachusetts. Oh, haven't we had one of those before? We have. So this is very is exciting. This like, is this like a lather, rinse, repeat? <laughs> Possibly. But the question is, does he have binders full of women? <laughs> I don't know. So this guy, his name is Chris Dotty. Not to be confused with Chris Daughtry, the American Idol yes. winner. Um, Chris Dotty, um, he is a BYU grad. Um, he has not been in politics before. He's currently an investor in a company or a partner in Capstan Industries, which you looked up. They do metal manufacturing. Yes, like a powdered metal. They use a powdered so, metal to manufacture stuff. He is like a business guy. He's running on the Republican ticket for the primary. The current. Yes. Governor is Republican, and he's but not, is running. not running again. So he is running as a Republican. He is 
platform, one of his issues, he says it's become too expensive for most working people to live in Massachusetts. So he's um, partially running on that. And then the guy he's running against, oh, he is more of the moderate moderate, because the guy he's running against is Jeff Deal, who is a former lawmaker and was previously endorsed by former President Donald Trump. So I don't know if Donald Trump will endorse him again, but it sounds like he is the moderate running against a more conservative, more far right, far right leaning opponent. And then whoever wins the primary will take on the Democrat, Democrat. which I thought it was interesting that they have a Republican governor because they're they've shifted. They're kind of a fairly blue state these days. Um, So it will be interesting to see, which makes me think he could probably easily win against the Republican yeah. counterpart, but can Except, he win against the Democrat? Yeah. But the Republican counterpart too, as a former state legislator, obviously has a lot of political That's connections true. and where this is his first foray. But That's true. It probably be... depends on how far right that guy leans into. Yes. Into his Trumpness. I don't know. Because <laughs> I can't imagine that that plays very well in Boston. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about the politics in Boston, um, you know, as a court, as opposed to right. the Western states that I tend to follow more because it has more of an impact on us here in Idaho. But it'll be fun to watch. It will be fun to watch. It'll be very it's interesting always, to watch. Inter- it's always interesting and fun, I think, to see other members of the church participate in politics in their states. Yes. It's just really fun to look and see what they're doing yes. from the outside. It's fascinating. Okay, so you may recall Tonga, they had a volcano that exploded and it resulted in ash all over their islands and some tsunamis and whatnot. And so the the church actually owns a high school there. It's called Liahona High School. And they have been using Liahona High School um, to house more than 100 individuals and families that were displaced as a result of this volcanic eruption. Well, if the volcanic eruption wasn't enough, there was a building on the high school which houses the technical and vocational programs such as carpentry, mechanics, and other occupational training that caught on fire and it was badly damaged. So nobody was injured in the fire. People weren't staying in this building, but just kind of more rough stuff happening for the folks in Tonga. And you just kind of go, oh, did you? It's a rough world out there. Yeah. So, all right. And then one last story before we move into, of course, my favorite Mormons behaving badly. Uh, the Mormon Battalion. We're going to hit that really quick. Um, rep, there is, uh, it's been 175 years of the Mormon Battalion. And so to honor that, the church sent Elder D. Todd Christopherson down to San Diego now that's a rough assignment. Gee, <laughs> Elder Christopherson, it's 30 degrees here in Salt Lake. Would you like to go down to San Diego and speak to the Mormon Battalion? Yes. <laughs> Ooh, let me check my calendar. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so they sent him down there to speak at the anniversary of the Mormon Battalion. And he uh, went down there and he talked about just the legacy of the Mormon Battalion and what they did and um, the service that they performed and uh, told the 
the the people of today, he said, you know, as you stand in their places, you are heirs of that great legacy. You too are capable of that kind of faith and sacrifice and service. You're capable of doing hard things. Uh, you too have great things to do. And he says, now go forth and make a difference. And so just a whole nice article in the Deseret News kind of talking about the purpose of the Mormon battalion, um, the things that were learned in the Mormon battalion, the money from the Mormon battalion that went towards um, purchasing handcarts and supplies uh, for Brigham Young and the Saints to actually cross the plains. And that had the Mormon battalion not happened, we might not have been entering Salt Lake City in 1847. So. Anyway, and that's, um, you know, if you've never, I know you guys have visited yeah, there. Been, it's a really cool visitor it's center. It's a really cool mm-hmm. visitor center. And the missionaries that are there dress up in mm-hmm. pioneer outfits and, and uh, um, you know, tell you all sorts of fun stories. Yes. It's like the West Coast Nauvoo the type West- of vibe. Because <laughs> in Nauvoo, they're all dressed up and in character. And yeah. You don't get that at a ton of sites yeah. out here in the West. But yeah. that's that's one where you can go. Well, and I think you told me your kids really loved it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, let's hit on Mormons behaving badly really quick before we move on to our favorite things. Um, there was a BYU professor, Michael James Clay. Uh, he was originally charged with some sexual abuse involving students. Uh, they piled some more charges on him because as what typically happens, usually there is not one victim, there are several. And so when the first set of charges came out, People came out of the woodwork and now he's facing um, more charges. And uh, if uh, we'll link to the article, if you are interested in reading the graphic details, but bring your strong stomach because it's pretty disgusting. It's really bad. So the next one is a gentleman. He was a member of the Ammon City Council. And he, his name. Which is in Idaho. Which is in Idaho. Unfortunately, Jeff made the comment last week about how all these people are coming from Idaho. And I was like, yes. It's not our fault. Why, it's not our why fault. are there so many? I'd like the disclaimer to also say most of these are Eastern Idaho. We live in Western Idaho. We're on the safe, safe-ish, <laughs> safe-ish side of the state. Except till we get to my last story on Mormons behaving badly. Oh, right. No, we're being surrounded. Go ahead. <laughs> so he is a member of the church. His name is Brian Wiscomb. He was... Um, he resigned his position on the Ammon City Council December 2nd. It was rather unexpected, and he made no comment as to why he was resigning. And then it came out in January that um, some sexual abuse charges were filed against him. And um, again, these are allegations. Nothing has been proven yet. They are allegations. Um, but, uh, anyway, so he faces a number of charges and again, the details of this crime will link to the article. If you want to read it, I'm not going to regurgitate it here because it's just kind of sick. Just know that it's bad. So, okay. Now again, to revisit a former Mormon behaving badly, you all may have recalled several months ago, there was a gentleman who, um, he was a he was an attorney general up in uh, Alaska, and he was he was uh, using a Desnet handle, and he was saying all sorts of just nasty, horrific things, um, just racist comments, just all sorts of comments. Well, I don't know what prompted me the other day, but I just thought. I, and I can't even remember what it was. And he got let go. Oh yes, he did. He and got he, let he go. He was LDS and 
wasn't his boss? Yes. Also so LDS and the, he, the attorney general was. He was publishing anonymously, mm-hmm. but someone, uh, I mean, you just can't be anonymous online. And mm-hmm. so someone did some digging and determined who he was. And, um, and then it came out. And then when it came out, he was let go because the elected attorney general for the state of Alaska is also a member of the church. And it was uh, supposedly they both were in the same ward. Anyway, so he ended up getting let go. And so I thought, oh, I wonder what's, I don't even know what prompted me to just kind of do a Google search to see mm-hmm. what was going on. So I did a Google search of his name and his name is Miss Matthias Sionte. I, I knew I didn't pronounce it right the first time we talked about him. I know I'm not pronouncing it right now. Let's just call him Matthias. Mm -hmm. So I did a little Google search. Guess where he's moved to? Idaho. (laughs) He's taken up residence over in the fair city of Caldwell, which is just a little west of us. Just down the freeway. Just down the freeway. And I'm like, oh, goody gumdrops. So I checked on the state bar's website to see Mm -hmm. he's not licensed in Idaho yet. I don't know if we have a reciprocity agreement with Alaska or if he's sitting for the state bar in February. And if he is sitting for the state bar in February, I'm scratching my head going, how do you pass the character in fitness? But in any event, um, he is holding himself out to be an attorney and uh, he has his business contact information as Matthias and then his last name, attorney at law with a post office. So he still claims to be an attorney. He still claims to be an attorney. So we don't think he's made a career change. We don't think he's made a career change. (laughs) Has he made a new anonymous does not name change? I don't know, but you know, has he cut himself off from the social medias? Here's the other thing I did. I was like, I wonder if he's filed a name change paperwork here in Idaho so that Uh he can legally change his name so that if a future employer goes and Googles him, the Desnet stuff doesn't pop up. I couldn't find a name change for it. I'm probably a little too invested in this (laughs) that I'm spending this much time. But I have to tell you, I'm a deputy attorney general and I find his behavior just so offensive. So that's probably why I'm feeling a little invested. Yes, I think so. And we just... Just to know that he's just down the road. We're just attracting the most crazy people lately. Seriously. So what is anyway, it? I don't know. But I got him on my radar screen. <laughs> it's not going to end well. All right. <laughs> Tiffany will keep us posted if he applies for a job at the attorney general's office. Because oh, she's yes. going to shut that down. <laughs> yes. I'm, there's there's an opening. It would be hilarious if he applied because we have an opening in my office right now. And I'd be like, mm, no, no, no. <laughs> Still a little recon on him. <laughs> Maybe he's going to go into private practice now. So. <laughs> I would suggest that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I think we are on to our favorite things. That is all of the news for the week. So, okay. Favorite things. Should I go first? Yes. You go first and then I'll go. Um, my favorite thing this month was influenced by your daughter. She influenced me, your young, trendy college daughter. I was going to say, which one? I have three to choose from. <laughs> they all have very different things going on in their lives. Okay. So this, this belt bag. Okay. This oh, is, we didn't even see this belt bag you're wearing. This is basically a glorified fanny pack, but it is the Lululemon belt bag. They call it a belt bag. Really? And your daughter has had one for months now. And every time she I- She paid Lululemon prices for a belt bag. She's a college student. I know. <laughs> It's about the I only, need to cut her budget. It's about the only thing I can afford at Lulu. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. But it is a very bougie fanny pack. <laughs> but 
I really like it. Really? I didn't even notice you had it on. I've been sitting here so, for an hour. Every time she comes over, I see hers. And I'm like, okay, that is, is she wearing it like as a really cap? No, she wears it across body. Okay. That I've is, seen her wear it as a That is the body. hip cool way to wear it. Yeah. Which I attempted to do last week and I I just don't know. You if just I, can, not that hip I don't know cool. if I'm that hip. I'm hip enough to wear it as a fanny pack. I don't I know it. what that says about you that you're hip enough to wear it as a fanny pack, but not a crossbody cross the way that all the youngins are. I don't know. I'm like dabbling my toe and trying to be cool, but I'm not quite there. So um, I really like it though. It holds everything. So what do you, do you and, just put it on in the morning and leave it on well, all day? I put it on. This is the, this is when I wear it. This is why I love it. I cannot stand pants without pockets. Like. I mean, I love leggings, Yes, but there's nothing that makes me more mad than when I reach for pockets and there's no pockets. Yes. So this is a dilemma for me every winter because I do wear a lot of leggings yes. in the winter because they're comfy. And, and me too. I and wear stretchy. a lot of leggings in the winter. So you know where the phone goes? In the boob. <laughs> yes. <in> your, <laughs> Maybe I need one of these pantacacks. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need one because now if, there, if there's a day where I have pockets in my pants, I won't wear it. But if there's a day like today where I have leggings, I okay. snap it right on. The phone goes in there. Um, I don't know, whatever other random stuff that I need to take around really? the house goes oh in there. Oh my gosh. And I love it. I have no words. So I did not know. Blame your influencer daughter. <laughs> okay. I guess I, uh, she's, I got a lot to blame her for lately. <laughs> okay. Well, mine is kind of a twofold. Um, first of all, today I um, listened to, as you know, the Church News has a podcast. And when I, um, today I listened to one that they did with sister Wendy Nelson and Ooh. they released it just within the last 10 days or so. Uh -huh. And she talks about the last four years, um, with, uh, with her husband as the prophet and oh. what she's seen and the experiences that they've had and how they've dealt with COVID. Oh, and that sounds good. I love to hear from the wives. I do too. And she was very, she, this is the second time I've heard her do a uh -huh. podcast with, um, the church news. And she's, of course, extremely personable and um, just shared some really amazing insights. And I loved the podcast. So mm -hmm. I'm recommending everybody go listen to Sister Nelson's podcast. Okay. So my second favorite thing is a new Facebook group that I'm a member of. And as you know, I am a child of the 70s. I love myself a good mid-century modern house, mm -hmm. probably because we grew up in a mid-century modern house. And so that design style is imprinted upon me. And I just have the warm and the fuzzies on the mid-century modern. Mm -hmm. I love to look at pictures of old mid-century moderns. I love to look at pictures of updated mid-century moderns. Yes. So I found this Facebook group that I joined called Mid-Century Ranch Homes. Ooh. So it's all ranch style homes and a lot of them will be links to homes that are for sale. Okay. So you can see the home in its pristine condition. Some of them have been updated. Some of them have not. Mm -hmm. It's also very interesting to see what these mid-century ranches are going for in all sorts of different... This is all across the country. All across the country. Okay. And then people will um, modernize a mid-century ranch and they will put pictures of their modernized mid-century oh, ranch I love on that. 
I saw one today that was just, they had done an amazing job. It was so gorgeous. I was like, I want to live in that house. So it's just a really. So it's some eye candy. It's eye candy. It's total eye candy. If you're into that design style, like I said, I really like that design style. And so it's fun to to see the old pictures and see the new pictures. Oh, I'm going to have to go check that out. You might have to go check that out. So Okay. Well, I think that does it for this week. I think it does. So Twim Nation, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your support. If uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Jeff at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You, of course, can find us on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter. We would encourage you all to become Patreon supporters. And for three bucks a month, you can make a, a, a small donation to helping us keep our service servers up and our lights on and we would appreciate if you did that so all right we'll be back next month and in the meantime listen next week for jeff and mystery guests mystery guests whoever's up for next week and we just really appreciate you thanks for listening kids and I wasn't so sure who had the vasectomy reversed. And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I did. You have no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person.